My guest today on Front Row Rugby is former Springbok Centre, the legendary Devet Barry. Devet, welcome to Front Row Rugby. It's great to have you here. Yeah, thank you very much, Peter. Thanks for reaching out. Um, I appreciate it and it's nice to be on your show. Just before we begin the conversation, let's have a look at the trivia question for this week. Who was the leading point scorer when the Springboks won the 2009 Tri-Nations? Now, if you know the answer to that, you can put it in the comment section down below. We'll also find out if Devet knows the answer to that question, but we'll do that at the end of our conversation. Devet, I'd like to begin in the year 2000. You made your debut against Canada. Talk to me about what that was like and also scoring a try on your debut. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, it's, um, you know, thinking back of... Um, of your debut, it's it's such a special occasion, I think, for everybody or anyone who, who makes his debut for uh, for the Springboks. Um, just leading up to that year, you know, I was I wasn't actually, you know, I wasn't really in the stormers. Well, I was in the, in the group, and then Brendan Fenter got injured, and I got opportunity to tour with the team, and then I got my opportunity, and. Um, and straight away after the obviously um, the Super Rugby, I got picked for um, for the Springboks. So things happened quite quickly for a 21 year old. So you know, to take everything in, you know, it was quite quite a lot. Um, and and things happened so quickly, but but it's still such an awesome experience. I think the pressure, obviously, uh, for playing um, to starting your first test uh, versus maybe on the bench you know, um, might be something different. But um, it was a fantastic occasion. You know, we were in East London and I, and I got, a, got a try on my debut, um, so which made it more special. Um, I didn't score many tries after that, though, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> but, um, but it's still a special occasion. I think any, any test uh, you play might be one or, or 20 or 30 or, or 100 um, you know, it's, it, it stays every time. It's it's a very special occasion. Um, and yeah, as a, as a very young boy or uh, man, then you know, it's um, it, it, it's a dream come true for for any young South African kid that that wants to play rugby. Um, and I must admit, it was never. Um, you know, I I realized when I started playing for the Springboks that uh, for the Stormers that you know the next step is almost the Springboks, you know, and, and and then it sort of hit me when I started playing uh, for the Stormers that, you know, there is potential because those days we only had four Super Rugby sides. So you were one of eight options if you first uh, choice in your in, in your region, you know, so it became a reality and, 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 and as I said, very special moment for, for, for me. So after that Canada match, there was a two-test series against England. We shared the spoils with the English, and then it was time for the Tri-Nations. And then they also introduced the Nelson Mandela plate that season. So we played against Australia, and then that was sort of before the Tri-Nations. So it was this one-off test match against the Wallabies. But we did suffer two heavy defeats against the Aussies over there. What do you think went wrong in those test matches? Such a long time ago. I mean, I, I should go and have a look again at the stats. Um, but we did suffer quite a bit, and I, I'm I'm not sure. You know, um, I thought um, we had we had a real good side, um, and it was quite a long tour. We had the two tests um, there, and then we had a break. Uh, we went to a um, to a holiday resort, but it was definitely not a holiday resort for us. 
you know, we were training quite hard. Um, it was, um, and um, so um, because of the loss, you know, we did obviously did a lot of extra training and, you know, self-reflection. Um, it's quite difficult to say, you know, for me to remember those two tests, you know, I think it was quite um, obviously tough as always. Um, it's quite difficult to tell you. I mean, I can't, I can't really now recall, you know, what was the specific things that, that went wrong there. Um, but I knew, I know that we, um, we got the, uh, the bad side of Nick Mallet on that, um, and that a week off <laughs> in the East Coast of Australia. Speaking of Mallet, uh, I mean, you will remember this, that he was pretty much coming to the end of his time as the, as the Springbok coach. And I've always thought it was really interesting how in the beginning, Nick Mallet went on that run of 17 unbeaten test matches. And I know that you weren't actually in that squad. And then sort of things began to unwind or, or spiral a little, a little bit out of control. And then the results suddenly weren't that good. And you were in that squad in 2000. Could you sense that, that something maybe wasn't quite right with Mallet at that stage? No, I don't, I don't necessarily think so. You know, as I said, you know, um, almost in a stage of your career, you're just happy to be there. Um, you're so young and you just you just want to be and you play as hard as you can and, you know, follow your leaders. You know, we had a fantastic leaders in that stage. But I do think, if I, if I recall correctly, in 1999, there was a bit of a hiccup from a leader's point, leadership point of view uh, when Gary Tuchman was dropped. And, you know, I, mean, I, I really have fond memories of, of Nick Mallet, and I think one of the better coaches I was coached under. Um, but um, I think that might have been a little bit of a mistake. That transition from a leadership point of view does reflect into the players, and there was a bit of a... Um, you know, maybe an uncertainty between some of the senior players, um, or maybe who's responsible for uh, for the leadership roles, etc. Not that I mean, we had Jurst, we had Corne, you know, uh, we had um, um, Andre Foss, Bob Skins. That you know, there's a lot of leaders, John Smith coming through. So there's enough leaders, uh, but I think it was just maybe a little bit of uncertainty and uncertain times. You know, if you jump. A couple of years further, when Nick Mallet um, openly picked 24 guys for the first test, he appointed John Smith way in advance, so everybody knew where they, where they stand, and he knew he was the leader, and 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 so forth. So, and that that obviously you know the success after that, but um, I think that might have been a little bit of a, a, a thing. Uh, in that era, and I don't think you know it's unfortunate uh, the way Nick actually went out because. Um, you know, he, he was definitely a very good coach and, and he, and, and as obviously with Solly and everybody surrounding him, you know, there was, there was a good coaching staff. And unfortunately, we didn't get the results in 2000, uh, that I think, you know, for the team we had, we should have done better. I'm interested to know about Harry Phil Yoon because he obviously came after Nick Mallard and a lot of the players that I've had on the show before have told me about how Harry brought business principles to uh, the squad and the guys were wearing fancy suits and they were treated as CEOs. I I'd like to hear uh, what your experience was like of Harry Phil Yoon. Similar, um, you know, experiences or similar stories to, to what the other guys obviously said. Um, but it's true, you know, Harry, uh, you know, Brought in specific lineup coach, specific kicking coach, skills coach, you know, and um, so he was, you know, ahead of his time. I would say, you know, it was just maybe 
the control because you only got a, for example, you know, in a week you got three one and a half hour sessions and then a captain's run in an off day. So to fit everything in, you know, you need to be managed properly. You know, and and he brought in everything. Maybe if you know, and, and uh, you know, I don't want to criticize anybody, but maybe in that stage it was just uh, um, maybe not managed properly to give everybody his piece of the pie because the lineup guy wants five hours and the kicking guy wants five hours, but there is only one and a half hours in a week. So, um, but from that point of view, he definitely were ahead of the others um, from a a specific uh, coaching um, 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 facet of the game, you know, defense, attack, scrum, lineup, etc. Um, so um, I enjoyed him. Um, for it was a very short stint. Um, for example, um, the one end of year tour I wasn't picked, and then he picked me again, and then he and then I and I said, but nothing has changed, you know. I didn't change much. But then he said, now I can also. You know, like um, you know, act as a as a third loose forward because I can also steal ball. You know, so then you see that contribute again. And ah, but I mean, it's coaching. You know, you get different. You know, when when people pick coach uh, um, teams, then people that's in form and people that's um, available, obviously from an injury point of view, if they are available and and fit to play, then you pick those guys. So, and, and people um, change perspectives. So, but, but he was different to the others, you know. So, but I still, I still enjoyed him and we enjoyed the nice clothing and the Aaron Williams shoes we got. <laughs> so, it was quite nice. Absolutely. Okay, so Harry Fulhoun lasted until the beginning of 2002, was then replaced by Rudolf Strauli. And that 2002 Tri-Nations, even though we didn't really get the results, there was a lot of promise being shown. Some of the performances were quite good. And then I think the highlight was uh, that uh, win over the Australians at Ellis Park when Van Gerf scored that try right at the end. Uh, That was actually quite memorable. But then in 03, things started to go wrong again, and we got quite a bad hiding uh, at Loftus, uh, 52-16 against the All Blacks. Robbie Kempson was on this show, and he said that that was the lowest moment of his Springbok career. W- would you agree with that statement? The Australia era was a bit of a, you know, sort of, there's a bit of a cloud over it, if I may say that. You know, we, um, some of us, you know, I'm looking, I'm thinking of, of guys that was senior in that stage, you know, Robbie Kay obviously eventually didn't go to the World Cup. He said, he's, you know, they're going to be involved in this and he went overseas. And then, um, you know, guys like Salvon Boom, Cornet, um, you know, not a lot of others that was towards the end of their career and we got opportunity to play in the World Cup. You know, it was quite uh, quite a daunting thing because you want to play so badly in the World Cup and then, um, you know, things aren't very healthy. US Twenty and as well. You know, these you know, the guys and then you get youngsters that came through like a Jacques Fury, um um Scott Berger played in two thousand three with us. You know, that and, and that's their first experience on, on a spring work too, you know, and it's an hour lasts, you know. <laughs> so it, it is it is to to a sense uh a low point in our in my career as well, um, which is quite disappointing because you work so hard, and I was only 24 years old, 
um, at that stage, you know, and I, I, I was sort of, and we got so many injuries. Maurice Joubert got injured, John De Villiers got injured. So in the back line, we were really thin. Um, and not that any of the other guys who who made the, the side um, is um, is of lesser quality, but the fact is we lost senior guys uh, before the World Cup, so we in the back line specifically. So it wasn't easy. Um, but, um, you know, it is just the, the way things was maybe handled and the way we got uh, treated as um, as players, you know, that was a bit of a disappointing time in our career, you know. And then obviously the disappointment um, of of the World Cup, we got knocked out in the quarterfinal um, against New Zealand, um, which was very disappointed, you know, you... you you sort of your whole career, not your whole career, but I mean, we were such a hype over a World Cup, but but just the way we trained and the way we prepared uh, wasn't all, always, um, you know, it's always easy to say afterwards, but, I, but it was never the right way uh, that things were handled. I think you know what I'm going to ask you next, uh, since we're in 2003. Uh, I've had a couple of the old Springboks on the show that have told me their stories uh, from Kamp Staldrot. Uh, what's your story? <laughs> well, survival mode. <laughs> you, you sort of just go into survival mode. Um, but, you know, the idea behind Kamp Staldrot, I think, you know, come out of the Chris Kitschy, uh, um, uh, uh, um, um era where Rudolf Schaali and the 1995 World Cup um, you know, they had similar sort of phosphate um, um, camp, I would imagine. Um, but again, you know, uh, the suffering together bring, make you stronger together. But if it's done in the right way, you know, it felt like we had a little bit of a, a negative uh, thing around the old style camp. camp style, right? So the idea behind it, I think, was, was, was fair. Um, just maybe the the way it was handled, the way people were treated. Um, um, so it was quite um, quite an experience, and I enjoyed certain aspects of the of of the of the camp because there was just this one night they dropped us off all on our own, and we had to survive. And um, there was a few rekis there that supported us, and I was at the. They took ten on a bucky, so we were thirty guys, so ten. On a bucky, and then so I was standing last. So the only disadvantage we had, we had, we didn't have enough, we didn't have as much daylight left as the other twenty guys that left. But we had the fortunate uh, conversations with the rekis that learned and teach us a few extra tricks for our one night alone in the felt. So I quite enjoyed that. I learned how to boil a boil an egg um, without anything. Um, so. One day when you visit me in Cape Town, I'll show you. Um, and I learned a few other tricks and trades uh, uh, from a survival point of view. But I enjoyed that night in the felt because no one bothered us, no one's shouting at you. You listen on your own. You can watch the stars and uh, you know have a few thoughts of your own and process a few things. Um, but what was funny, the one day we um, and maybe you've heard the story before. We were um, in a in a um, in a dam, but it was a it was very very cold, and I don't know if you've heard this before, 
but they um, they put us into the dam and out of the dam cold. And I was, I mean, we hardly had any fat then because, um, you know, I remember a guy, I mean, Stefan de Blanche, you know how he trains nowadays even, and he was like so skinny, he had no fat in him. So for us, that was a bit more skinnier, you know, those cold water, you know, you sort of froze, you know, then you have to get out and put your pants on, uh, your, your clothes back on, but you're so, um, you know, so cold, you, you can hardly do it. And but the guys and the coaching staff were making a small little fire on the side and brying a little Buddha horse. And remember, we didn't eat, so this smell was quite um, you know nice. And and then the felt got uh, catch fire, and they chased us out of the out of the dam to go and help um, um, you know kill the fire. And uh, so everybody was like, chasing the fire and doing everything. So there's one particular guy instead of helping us. So everybody was running away from the where they were brying because the, the fire was taking into the field. And uh, <laughs> eventually we were looking for this one guy and he was looking where, where he is. So all he did is he ran to where the bry was and made himself a little hot dog. <laughs> so he scored a little uh, Budavos roll and the rest of us were putting out the fire. So, um, so there was funny things happening and, you know, we learned a few things of each other, learned a few things about yourself. And we also learned how not to do a Springbok camp before the World Cup. That's a great story, actually. Uh, it's nice to know that there actually was a funny moment or so uh, in between uh, uh, income style drought. So, like you said, you know, we went to the World Cup. It was a disappointing experience. The Rudolf Strauli era was a disappointing time in Springbok rugby. But then things actually changed in, in quite a dramatic way. Jake White came in. Things became a lot more positive. We won the Tri-Nations in 2004 as well, uh, which I don't think a lot of people uh, saw coming. Uh, just Tell me, what made the Jake White Springbok squad so different? Well, well, exactly what you're saying. You know, there was a, it's a, it was a much um, a more positive um, vibe. Um, uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, he picked 22 guys for his first team. He didn't pick more. I think 24. So you thought you were there, there, there and about, you know. So that gave us a lot of confidence. Um, and from a Stormers' point of view, we were... We had a fantastic season. We played the semi-final against um, Crusaders away that year, um, and um, that was that was quite a positive. So we had a very positive Super Rugby season. So when and then the bulk of us uh, went into the Springbok side. So we also took that positive vibe into the Springbok side. But man, I mean, it's, it, it, you, the coach always sets the vibe. You know, he sets the tone. You know, and that's what Jake did. You know, he was very positive. And, and a lot of us, he coached in 1999. A lot of us was in, under him. He was assistant coach then for us as a, under 21 side in Argentina. And, uh, you know, the John Smith and, you know, that's why he was obviously him and John came a long way. You know, all of us. Because he was our under 21 coach as well. When we was also successful, we won against New Zealand in 1999 in the final. So there was a lot of our players that came through from the 99 and a 21 era in the 2004 um, um, squad that, that he coached. So all that, that, obviously, the positives that came through that. And we played a positive uh, game. We trained really hard. Um, we had a lot of good um, goal settings. And obviously, it was nice just to have a, a different experience again, especially after the negativity of of two thousand and three, you know, and 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 there I have to, you know, from 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 Stormer's point of view, 
uh, we played very positive rugby the, that year in 2004 and, and we got to the semi-final. But it was quite tough because, I'm sorry that I'm jumping back to the uh, um, Super Rugby, but we we had to, we played the Crusaders, flew back to Cape Town, um, played the Sharks in the last pool game and we had to win them to get a semi-final and then flew back to Christchurch. <laughs> so in two weeks' time, we flew right around the world twice. So um, that was that was quite tough. But anyway, so we got we got back and 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 it was just phenomenal. Uh, the, the the vibe in 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 the 2004 um, uh, um, Tri Nations, you know, guys like. Uh, Brian Abana came into the squad, you know, starting his career. Jacques Fury obviously back in. Um, John de Villiers got back from injury. Um, so we had everybody back. You know, we had a fantastic pack of forwards. Um, John is our leader. Um, and, um, yeah, it was just, uh, Jake just brought back, um, you know, all the positive things and why. And, and, and that's what he always said. He said, why can't we? That is such a strong under nineteen schoolboy um, uh, um, players in South Africa. We're so strong. We beat everybody. Um, why can't we take that through to our senior sides? And 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 that's the positive things. You know, starting to believe that we are actually better. Uh, we are good. We can't. We can compete. You know, believe in ourselves. You know, and he installed that back into the Springbok culture. We changed the blazer back to the. Um, uh, from just the plain green uh, to the green and yellow color, um, which was a, and again something that that was uh, brought back from the older, um, you know, from the previous years, you know, which was nice to bring back that that color with the with the little yellow um, piece in it. So you know, a lot of things um, he brought back, uh, which was quite nice and, and brought a positive vibe and, and it showed the results. It certainly did. We won that uh, Tri-Nations in 2004. In 05, the good results continued. I actually thought that we were better in 05 than, than 04, but there was obviously that test match against New Zealand. Uh, I think it was in Dunedin uh, where they beat us narrowly right at the end as well, uh, which I still think is one of the best test matches that I've watched. Uh, even though we lost, obviously, uh, that wasn't uh, the, what made it great. Uh, and then 06, um, you played against France, and that turned out to be your last test match. Uh, why do you think it ended there? Obviously, from a player point of view, personal point of view, it was quite disappointing. Um, obviously, the you know the aim was obviously to take part or to be part of um, the World Cup 2007, um, which was obviously... When we started in 2004 with Jake White, he already said to us, and that's how positive he was, since we're going to win the World Cup. You know, that's a, that's how the belief was, you know, and, and, and the aim was to win the World Cup in three years' time. Um, and they did, or I, we did, you know. Um, you know, unfortunately, I wasn't part of it. Um, it wasn't our greatest test uh, in Newlands. We, we made a few hiccups. Um, and they scored that long haul try from our try line or from their try line or their 22, you know, that, that, that try they scored. Um, but, ah, you know, that's, that's life, you know, it's unfortunately that is the way it is, you know, there's a lot of things you can go back and say, ah, if that, if this, you know, if I, you know, it's, um, and unfortunately, um, Jake took a different path of different center pairing, um, and it showed as well that Jock and John actually 
Um, you know, they are both fantastic. And as a combination, they were fantastic. You know, they played, uh, they have the record for, for the most tests together. Um, and Morris and I kept it for a while. And I think we're second now. Maybe then, um, Am and, uh, the Alinda may, may, um, may nick us uh, later this year or whatever. But it, you know, it's, it's part of, uh, it's part of sports and it's part of the acceptance and it's part of the things you learn as a sports, you know, to accept these things. It's not easy and stuff. You don't want to be left out. Um, you want to be part of that positive group. You want to be part of the World Cup. Um, you know, and it's, it, it is very disappointing, but that's where you learn to move on and, and, and um, look at yourself and reflect on yourself and say, listen, um, what do I need to improve? You know, in 2000, and, and, and it was a very, you know, obviously for me, 2007 was very important and had a fairly um, uh, satisfying uh, Super Rugby, you know, and then going into the World Cup, you know, I felt I played good enough to be in the Springbok side. But um, that wasn't meant to be, you know. So, um, and luckily the guys went on and won the World Cup. Um, so we were all very happy. Um, I signed for Harlequins, um, uh, um, you know, a little bit before the World Cup, but the aim was to go after the World Cup. And I actually watched the game in the with my Harlequins mate. So against England, so <laughs> it was quite quite satisfying to 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 watch it in England. It was a satisfying experience, that's for sure. So, Devet, um, my viewers love to know the answer to this question. Who was your toughest opponent? Sure, I had many. Um, I was fortunate to play against many, many good players. Um, I we were. I was fortunate to play against a guy like Tana Omanga. Um, he was the guy that can actually run over you and then pass you <laughs> or, you know, around you. Um, and he might just chip and chase. So, uh, and then another guy that I was very fortunate just for one season, I played Tim Horan, only one or two games against Australia and Queensland Reds. Um, with someone that I looked up as a youngster, you know, I felt he was fantastic. Um, he had all the skill sets. Um, Aaron Major was a very difficult uh, guy to play against, not as physical, but he had all the skills left, right, kicking passing, very good distributor, stepping. So you never knew what he was doing, especially if you're playing next to, next to a Carter or Andrew Mertens. Um, oh, and then yesterday in South Africa, you know, we I played against fantastic, talented guys. Um, so it's quite difficult to single out someone. You know, we played against John and Jock. We played with them. Um, when I was a, when I was coming into the ranks, Yapi Miller was a was a was obviously a big competition for us. Um, ah, you know, and, and Andres Neiman, you know, we looked up to these guys. You know, in 1997, you know, we were first year out of school, and then these guys were playing. You know, they were our heroes, and then you get the opportunity to maybe train with them and play against them. Um, so these guys are um, um, Grant Esterhazy. You know, all these guys that we played against and, and with each other. So, very difficult to single out anyone. And what are you up to these days? I have a um, trading uh, company that we trade uh, building materials in. Um, so, we sell, buy and sell um, um, mostly timber uh, and, and ironmongery and a few other things. We do whatever 
HDP pipe and all sorts of things we do in the, in that company. So mostly in the building industry. And then I've got a small manufacturing plant that does um, um, called Styrene Cornishes. We manufacture polystyrene cornishes uh, for the retail market, and we distribute that in, in uh, countrywide. So yeah, it's it's different life, <laughs> but we've got weekends now, and we've got family, so uh, we enjoy that times as well. Sounds good. So before we finish, we need to look at that trivia question again quickly. Who was the leading point scorer when the Springboks won the 2009 Tri-Nations? Do you know the answer, Devet? Um, I, I wanted to... 2009? Nine. Nine. Brian Abana. Oh, that's not a bad guess. He was probably right up there. The correct answer is Mornay Stain. Oh, well. <laughs> well, I play. My my boys are not allowed to play much games, and they play PlayStation, and they pick Morningstone all the time because he just makes all the points. So he's in your house quite a lot, then, uh, David. Uh, I want to say thank you so much for your time today. It really was lovely having you on here on Front Row Rugby, and hopefully we can have you on again in the future. Yeah, thank you very much, Peter. I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show, and and thank you for a lovely show. Appreciate it. Last time on Front Row Rugby, former Springbok wing Jock Willifeed was my guest. You can go and have a look at that video. It's appearing on the screen right now. Next time, another former Springbok wing, Tondurai Chavanga, will be here. Thank you so much for watching. If you enjoyed that video, why not spear tackle the like button? You can also subscribe and hit the notification bell so you don't miss any content from Front Row Rugby. See you next time.